When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name is David Reed, and with me as always is Marek Larwood. Hello, Marek. Hello, David. Thank Hello. you for having me in your home. Yes, we're here again in Muswell Hill. It's quiet as all the people are dead. Uh, I didn't know that. The, I didn't see a soul when I walked here from the bus. I was so worried about having a noisy podcast that I went out... <laughs> on a killing spree. It took me weeks of planning. Can I just say you're looking remarkably calm? I'm calm because I... The first one is always very difficult. <laughs> first, the first cut is the deepest, as they say. It's always very difficult, the first one. And then I was just worried about doing it in time for the podcast. And now I think, oh, like let a, me just enjoy this half an hour. Like a reverse Santa Claus. Yeah, and I'll deal with the ramifications of what I've done. And sure. the guilt the guilt hasn't really come in yet. It's just, well, I, it's have, just... I have to say, I didn't see anyone, which I appreciate you hid them all, but it it really gives the area a sort of Avengers TV series quality of Hang leafy on. suburbia with no people. Hang on, what is that? That's probably the fuzz. Is that a car? <laughs> I hope that's the police. If that's a local, I'd be really annoyed. <laughs> really annoyed with yourself. You missed a little one at the back. Oh. Anyway, it's not about killing people. It's not. Well, broadly. No, it's not. Um, it's about movie films uh, and uh, films that are on in the cinema or on the internet, anywhere really. Um, are you are you quite tired? I'm quite tired. Yeah, <laughs> I am quite tired. It's been a long day. Um, I went to the cinema though a few days. You didn't ago. go to any old cinema, did you? No, I went to the BFI IMAX, the largest the uh, the largest screen in Europe. Um, which we were told it used to be only the largest screen in uh, Britain, but the one in Spain burnt down. <laughs> so now it's... Wow. So now it's I mean, that's not a really good claim, because you think, is there some sort of health and safety thing involved with large screens? It could be fatal. Well, I think any large amount of material could burn down, but it's got a lot, a lot of silver woven into it, so that's not flammable, is it? I don't know. No. But, um, no, the BFI IMAX, the uh, largest screen in Europe. Where were you sitting, in the middle bit? I had really good seats, actually, yeah. How much are they? 20 quid? Oh, it's expensive, but it's not crazy expensive compared to any other cinema in London. Like, they were like 15 quid. That's same as a normal cinema. Yeah, and it was great. And For 3D IMAX. So, I went to see Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, 
I was very excited about it. By it, it's probably the only franchise I actually get excited about a new film coming out at the moment. Is, why can't they go Mission Impossible Five? Is this five? It's five. They stopped doing numbers uh, with number four, but um, but I went to see that. I saw it in two D, the best number of Ds for a film. Yeah, and uh, I saw it in the IMAX, which is the best screen there is. Uh, and it was, it, I was very excited because Ghost Protocol was brilliant. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. Directed by Brad Bird, who directed the uh, Ratatouille and The Incredibles, which we talked about last week in mm-hmm. relation to Inside Out. Um, this one wasn't directed by him, but uh, it's it's he a really fun. By Christopher McQuarrie. Okay, Christopher McQuarrie, if you don't know, is uh, he directed Jack Reacher, which is he's now seemingly uh, Tom Cruise's best friend. But more importantly, he wrote The Usual Suspects, and he wrote. Um, uh, he co-wrote the screenplay for Edge of Tomorrow, which is the uh, uh, live, die, repeat, the only way is kill Tom Cruise film with Emily Blunt. Yeah, yeah but also remember, he also wrote uh, Jack the Giant Slayer and The Tourist. Yeah, I know. Um, it's really confusing, I'll get to that. But Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, for those of you who don't know, is uh, the fifth Mission Impossible film. Uh, where Ethan Hunt, played by Tom Cruise, and his uh, largely disparate team uh, once again have to do something that is deemed impossible by somebody. Uh, But this time, Ethan is on the hunt for a shadowy organisation called The Syndicate, who he thinks are secretly pulling strings behind the scenes. Um, And people are starting to go, Ethan, we've seen no evidence of this. Maybe you're just crazy. Oh, and, no, it's a paranoia thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he disappears off the grid when the syndicate proved themselves to be very real indeed. Uh, and I won't spoiler it from there, but I might do it a bit. What do they do? They sort of steal all toilet paper. They gas him. They lock him in a box and they gas him. And is he allowed toilet paper? Uh, when he wakes up, no. So there is a... T- no, because there's a really experienced torturer in the room called the bone cutter I think and he he knows the first thing you do to make someone uncomfortable is deprive them of toilet paper and bone cutter mm. make arouse them cut it off not that kind of bone wrong kind of bone oh okay um, although I, I yeah because I don't think that's within his remit because it doesn't technically have a bone in it does it ironically well I know but you... this yours you did jam a fish bone up there once <laughs> that's why I uh... <laughs> Is that still there? Why? Well, I, I think so. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Rogue Nation. So it's um, now. How long do fish bones take to break down? Oh god, ages, man, ages. Um, actually, I do have some. I want to leave the house at some point. I do have some knowledge of this. There was an archaeologist who lived in uh, York and still probably does. Who my parents knew when I was growing up. Did the same thing. Called uh, Bone Jones. That was his name. And but he to prove that the fossilised remains he was finding in Viking dig sites uh, to prove the way they ate. He ate fish whole, including the bones, then did a shit and studied his shit, and it was exactly the same. So he was proving that uh, that's the way the Vikings ate fish. Hang on a minute. Are you saying I've got a Viking dick? Um, only if it did a shit. <laughs> this what? is getting very weird. So what? How? when is this going to stop? Um... I think you need to see a specialist because I don't think it's going to work itself out. Okay, let's get back to the film. Okay. Uh, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Really, it did not disappoint, frankly. Really, really fun action sequences. Like, properly fun. 
and I know people give him a lot of flack. Uh, both, well, give both of them a lot of flack. Tom Cruise and Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg is in uh, this one for the third. It's the third one he's been in. I think he's in three as well. Mm. Um, they're really good together. Weirdly, they found a balance that really, really works. Simon Pegg gives a uh, sense of humour and humility that Tom Cruise is incapable of and humanises the unit of the two of them. And really, they have become joint stars of this franchise. They work together. And there's, they've added a female character played by the Swedish actress Rebecca Ferguson, who's also really good in this as well. Then Ving Rhames turns up and Jeremy Renner turns up completely again and has nothing to do. And Why Alec Baldwin's Jim- in it as the head of the CIA and is ridiculous. Why has um, Jeremy Renner become a sort of weird sort of joke almost? He has, hasn't he? He really has. He's he like get a sense. He's he's. he's it's like he's won a competition to be in action films, but no one really knows what to do with him because he's not the star of them really anymore. Because that whole rebooting the Bourne franchise didn't really work, and he feels like they're sort of Juice Bigelow of action. Films. <laughs> I mean, he's, Rob Schneider. Yeah, he's, he's so boring in, like in the Avengers, and he's he's. Pretty damn boring in this. Is he Rob Schneider doing a character of an action? That would be a hell of a long game if he just revealed it after a while. I mean, yeah, he's he's not needed in this film at all, um, and neither is Ving Rhames. But bless him, Ving Rhames has been in every single one, I think. So uh, they, yeah, I don't, they feel, to... don't feel sorry for him. He's probably getting about eighty, hundred yeah, grand. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, what is weird? What is weird about this is the sequences are great. The one they used in the trailer is actually the pre-title sequence, the one with the plane, which is brilliant. Have you seen I haven't this? Seen, uh... What they Tom Cruise, I think, is probably the only one still out there who is a bit of a has a bit of rock and roll in his soul. In that he wants to push uh, things physically with what people have seen and do something no one's seen before so in Ghost Protocol he did stunts on the outside of Burj Khalifa and it's him doing it and in this one there's a sequence where he is cl- he's hanging onto the outside of an aeroplane and they're trying to remotely open the door with computer hacking so he can get inside and while he's hanging on the aeroplane takes off and they did it they actually did it. Of course, you know, he has a harness, but he's on the outside of an actual plane as it takes off a proper big one, you know? He had to have special contact lenses fitted that covered his entire eyeball to, to protect him for any grip flying at the speed he was going, you know? I've got but, a theory about Tom Cruise. What's that? I think Tom Cruise, we talk about CGI. Yeah. Tom Cruise, it will be revealed in about 25 years' time, is the first robot actor you reckon what did he die I think the real Tom Cruise died what film about because the real Tom Cruise definitely did Magnolia yeah that that's not a robotic performance yeah I would say Magnolia Tom Cruise died no you know what he definitely did Tropic Thunder the the comedy performance I think they what they happened was he died and they made a load of Tom Cruise because they realised he was quite symmetrical he had a lot of surgery they can make him look older and they're going to get into a problem soon where they're going to have to try and make these robots look older. So now they've got Tom Cruise. He's got no. He can't go and talk shows by himself. He's got no real personality. He can't act in normal ways because they can't program him to do. It's proper, odd. Proper he, he really works in certain scenarios, and I every now and again in scenes in this movie, I got the same sense I got in Mission Impossible Three that he's a robot. Well, when you put him next to Simon Pegg, 
who is, to all intents and purposes, becoming, a really good a actor. No, he's really, he's really good. He gets that balance between playing it real so that you believe in the characters and the story and playing it for laughs at the set. Like, he, he just nails that. And sometimes, when he's next to Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise just seems less genuine. You, you know, Ving, Ving Rhame seems utterly fictitious whenever he's next to someone who can act. But there's, there's some, it's odd. It is odd. The, okay, here's it. This is, this is the point in the film that I think is interesting and is uh, really confused me. I don't have an answer to this. This was written by uh, the writer of The Usual Suspects, right? Yeah. And, and the story was co-written by Drew Pearce who we know from the comedy scene when he was a producer for Tiger Aspect, but then he went to the States and made friends with Shane Black and ended up writing Iron Man 3, and now he writes on movies. And so he's only credited for the story. There is one scene in this movie where the dialogue is so bollocks. Mm. Um, Alec Baldwin actually says of Ethan Hunt, he says he's the physical manifestation of destiny with a straight face. I just go, what is happening? Suddenly nobody can write dialogue anymore. Manifestation of Destiny about Tom Cruise's super it's Tom Cruise's secret agent character. So is it is it good is you think it's a good film though? Is it, it better than the Oh, Project It's a great film. The 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 plot is uh too complicated, it's nonsense. I don't think it is as good as Ghost Protocol. Um they, there's it falls down in some ways, but the sequences are it's sublime. It's just, they're just really fun. It knows what it is, and it, it's great, and it strikes a balance very well. The villain's very, very good. Um, it's just got too much of that twisty, turny. Ah, but he said, and oh, he said. So there's too much explanation going on. You know that thi- thing that films now seem to do, where they just yeah. have to go have somebody explaining to everybody what's happening, so yeah, everyone yeah. can follow it but they don't realise their plot is therefore too complicated because that sounds stupid. Yeah. And it's just it's just too... It's del- it sounds like a load of shit to me. It's not. It's not. It's really, really good fun. How many, David? I'd give it... I think I'd give this one eight in terms of how I enjoyed it. Like, the, the car chases and the the motorbike chases are great. There's just some just really fun stuff in there, you know? Mm. There's, and there's some classy stuff. And then just every now and again, it feels like it's been written by children on a sugar high you know just every now and again the dialogue is appalling yeah. like there's a wonderful bit where it's most of it's set in london and it's sort of uh, tom cruise has described it in uh, interviews as sort of like a love letter to london and there's a bit where the whole premise is they 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 find themselves in impossible heist situations and have to then do and there's one where you just go so the only man who can open this file is the Prime Minister of Great Britain. We've got to get the Prime Minister. Are you kidding me? We've got to get the Prime Minister? And, and you just feel this ripple around the audience in London just going, sounds quite easy. I mean, a jogger ran into him. He's not, uh, he's not, he's not the president. A, you know? Early it's, morning run. Yeah, exactly. It's like, just knock into him, it'll be fine. Um, but no, that's sort of quite funny. And, and Tom Hollander plays uh, the Prime Minister. In okay. It, it's eight days, you say seven days. Uh, I'd give it. I think I'd give it eight. Upon if I watched it a second time, it would probably drop to about six or seven. Okay. But I, I did really enjoy it. Um, it's it's got a lot of good things about it. I like that franchise still. I do. Okay. 
Okay. I'm just. Disagree. Have you seen any of them? Have yeah, you... I quite enjoy them. I, don't think they're the, I mean, they, 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 for the first three, they were all utterly different films, and they've all had different directors. They tried to get Brad Bird back for this one because he'd done so well on Ghost Protocol, and he wasn't available. Um, and they tried to get Paula Patton as well, uh, which is encouraging because they. Uh, she was really good in Ghost Protocol, and often they just recast the girl every time, which yeah, is sort yeah. of a bit sexist. But no, they tried to get her back as part of his regular team in this one as well, and she was unavailable. But for the first three films, it was a Brian De Palma film, then a John Woo film, then a J.J. Abrams film, and it was with the J.J. Abrams one they sort of worked out, no, we want it to be this more regularly, and it's it's produced by his production company as I well. I like J.J. Abrams. Yeah. But I'm so distracted by someone talking. Someone you haven't killed. No, this is the thing with my house. I live in a cul-de-sac, and this generally means that, yeah, just people think, I'm closing the window now, think it's okay just to stand in the middle of the road and shout at each other, even though they're within two yards. Do you know what? I'm going to shout so that everyone else can hear the conversation. And those two people are definitely getting killed as soon as this podcast is finished. But before they get killed, they might have a chance to um, listen to our letters. Okay, yes. Um, Who has written in and what would they like? Doug Hutchison. Doug Hutchison. He hasn't. He's from Inverness, but he um, doesn't specify an accent. Inverness? I'm going to do the accent of the posh... Prick outside my house, trying to talk in the top of his voice. Okay. Dear David American buddy, the approach of the 200th episode has finally roused this long-time listener into some interaction. Congratulations on an excellent podcast, which has brought many a smile to my lips during an otherwise humdrum Monday morning journey to. I messed up there. <laughs> otherwise humdrum Monday morning journey to walk out work over the past four years. You put me in contact with some great films, which I would never have discovered. On my own. World's Greatest Dad. Compliance. Calvary. All is lost, to name but a few. I was very enlightened by the arrival of the IMDb game, particularly as I had been trying to hone my score for a good few years and have never had any socially endorsed reason for doing so. I have, of course, fallen foul that most irritating of hazards, new and highly rated films. As a result, I can only boast 85. I think that's in total we've seen 85. 80, no, his score is 85, right? Damn you, Mad Max. I mean, that's pretty high. I mean, Max, Perhaps I should get to... I'm going to look up um, if he he does he is playing it correctly and Mad Max came in at number 85. Because that, that's the best score we've had that's so incredible. far. I'll carry on with it before I do that. No, uh, Mad Max has slipped to 86, so he's now on 86. 86. Very good. Very good, Doug Hutchinson. In response to a recent listener question, the best experience of cinema going where I have known nothing about the film would be would probably include Crash, which I saw in error but really enjoyed. The Fellowship of the Ring was also brilliant, having never read Lord of the Rings, which I pro- read promptly afterwards, thus ruining the next two instalments. But perhaps best of all was The Green Mile. I knew nothing about this, except that it was a Stephen King adaptation, but it would probably count in my top ten films of all time. And when I got up to leave, that quite ends, I suddenly saw my name emblazoned across the screen in front of me. It turns out that I share a name with one of the main actors in this film, rather than having been the victim of an absurdly elaborate prank. Quite a real surreal moment, nonetheless. Keep watching the films. Uh, so keep up the good work and keep watching the films. Doug Hutchinson. And thank you very much for your donation, Doug Hutchinson. Very kind of you. Um, 
85 is an incredible score. It is. Uh, puts us to shame, really. We need to pull our fingers out. I'm a bit. stuck in my 30s, then once I go from my 30s, I'm going to start flying. City Lights, you need to watch, as do I. I will have to watch the original Psycho finally, uh, which I've still not seen. Good. I mean, I can't believe you've not seen it. I know, that. I know. Um, I mean, just the, the Vince Vaughn remake is just so good, Marek. Neil, well, Lee Wood's written in again. He wrote in last week. What does Lee Wood want? He's asked a question. He's talked about the Terminator. I'll do this one quickly because we've got a couple more. Uh, listen to he's Welsh. So this one again, then you can do the next couple. Sure. Hi guys, I'm doing any Rob Gilbert Gil- Gil- voice. I'm Welsh. Didn't you talk about the Terminator Genesis and how it would have been better if they went back to Christopher Columbus era? Maybe you remember the YouTube Predator fan film. I was wondering if you'd see it. I enjoyed it, even though it had the same formula as Predator, but said in medieval times. I thought it was very clever for a fan film, and maybe big budget movies should try to set things differently, like your Terminator idea. Do you think Hollywood would benefit from taking ideas like that from fans? I know, a lot would be bad. Also, if you deign to finish watching Kung Fury, the most insane and weird thing I've watched, keep watching the films. Lee. I did not finish watching Kung Fury, no. I've never heard of this. So, oh, oh you've not? There's a, there's a Predator fan film, which is sort of Predator versus Knights. That uh, sounds where, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When the Predator comes back in uh, medieval times and uh, they have to, yeah. Fun idea. Fun idea. Um, well, I just, you know, I, it does seem a bit crazy that if your entire premise, not with Predator, this is with Terminator I'm talking about, uh, entire premise is time travel, that you always go back to within about 15 years of the same point. It's like, well, you could do something a bit more fun with this. Yeah, if you can go to the toilet anyway, you don't always go in the corner, would you? No, no, although you've got to have a system. Well, I suppose it works both ways then. It does. Here's a letter from Neil Langridge. What does he want? He wants it to be read in RP. We're going to have two of those RP. RP, received pronunciation. Hi, Marek, David, and possibly special guest. Bad luck, Neil. My last email had a very silly voice, so perhaps this one could use your very best received pronunciation. I recently watched a couple of interesting films that had reasonable reviews, a decent cast and lots of potential. Shutter Island and Lucy. Both films started well, full of interesting ideas and were nicely engaging. While very different in plot, however, they both ended up with a similar problem. They ran out of ideas. Shutter Island descended descended into a more melancholic finish that was devoid of all the suspense, atmosphere, paranoia and creeping dread of the previous two hours. Meanwhile, Lucy was like too many sci-fi efforts. A nice idea, increasing silliness in proportion to ever bigger set pieces and special effects, culminating in a stupid conclusion that was nonsensical, frustrating and ultimately detrimental to the whole film. Spoiler comment, but if she decided to turn into a Thunderbolt thumb drive and only worked... What? Spoiler comment, but if she decided to turn into a Thunderbolt thumb drive and only work on a Mac? Question mark. I don't understand that sentence. What is your biggest disappointing ending to a film? Why is it so hard to get right? The need for so many directors to keep a sequel uh, door open obviously compromises the ending for quite a few films. But especially in science fiction, the tendency to run out of steam, resort to bigger special effects and pander to cliché seems greater than in other genres. Keep watching the films. Neil. Um... Yes, I, what endings are tough, and I would say as a writer, 
it's sort of the best films. Many of the pieces you've put uh, put in along the way have been in their own way leading to this ending, but not signposting where you're heading. And if your ending doesn't work, or as they do in uh, major movies, they test it with a sample audience, and if they don't like it and they have to reshoot to change it, suddenly the ending seems innocuous because actually everything that's come before wasn't leading there. And so it might just have, it might make a logical sense, but it doesn't have any sort of thematic resonance or or catharsis or, you know, it doesn't have any symmetry to it. it, There's there's many things you can do that make endings feel correct. Um, And they they are hard to do because to be satisfying is often to follow what stories often do. And therefore, it's predictable. And therefore, not satisfied. <laughs> back, to, back to exactly the same beginning again, but a bit happier. Exactly. I think one's... Uh, I've seen Lucy. I enjoyed it last year. And so I think Shutter Island's a better film. But Lucy's just... A, I think the other, the other example is when you've got a film that will work really well as a short film. Yes. And they've got to try and get it to 90 minutes. Or something that is a short film, they try to make a feature out of it. Well, it's a current Hollywood problem. They don't know what happens in the middle. I've, I've said this many times now. But it, it's... They don't know what the middle of a story is. Um, they just know what the beginning and the end is and then they fanny around in the middle. And and nothing... The events in the middle are of no real consequence, you know? Um, I mean, Interstellar I found a bit disappointing in the end. Not really the worst ending. We talked last week... Uh, not last, last week, about Pixar films and Up. Yes. And how... They're perfectly it's, structured. It's a, it's a promise. But Up was a promise of a really, really great film and never really... I, it, it's, you know... Pixar's worst day, uh, a lot of other filmmakers would be thrilled to have on their CV. You know, they, they've not they've not made a duff film. Um, they've just made films that aren't as good as other Pixar films, uh, in my opinion. But it's it's funny, isn't it? It's funny. It's a, such a subtle art being able to. You, the truth is, you can't. I do lead hate. every single member of your audience down the same path, thinking and feeling the same things at every point to a satisfying conclusion. Some people will be ahead of the curve, some will be way, way behind it. You, you can't, you can't predict these things. I hate the sequel build-up thing. That's yes. one of my biggest uh, uh, setting up another film at the end. I really hate. The I think, the I think especially, well. especially if they failed to entertain you with their movie up to that point because it seems so smug for them to go hey and there may be more guys you just go you should have done some more work on this one frankly and um yeah the only time it's ever done well was back to future like the first time mm. when it that was a, that was almost a great sort of joke ending about yes. it was almost a sort of fake prick yeah yeah and it didn't happen for another 10 years but it set a fashion for trilogies and and that then came back later didn't it you know around we had the matrix and the lord of the rings films and all of those where everyone was hoping to set up three films now with all of the marvel stuff everyone hopes to set up 23 films um another one i am legend where the book is an amazing book and they just wimped on the end but again hollywood does this very often where they they uh, turn their ending into he's basically Jesus and 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 just do a sort of Catholic imagery thing. The Matrix, be mine. the Matrix was exactly the same and just super disappointing and cliched and unoriginal compared to the ideas from the first film. But I've I've since read that they stole all their ideas from somebody else anyway. But well, um, 
Do you think my ending will be the same as Jesus? Like, your ending? That? Do you mean of your life? Yeah, I find out I'm Jesus. Well, no, because you're not you're not run by a Hollywood studio, are you? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I, I mean, it could still happen. I'm just. I think the odds are against it. Here are here's another letter. Who's it from? Dougie Andrews. Okay, and what does Dougie Andrews want? He. Uh, um, um, uh, he is reading the whole letter. Well, there's no point in you just reading it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, 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 that was my best moment of this podcast. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, just making sense. He says, if it gets read out by David, he'd like me to do it in Marek's voice. Oh, here we go. Right. Here we go. <laughs> Is, does this, is this something that bugs you? You wouldn't, not, you wouldn't like this to happen? Gen, the general thing is just to do this. That is American impression. No, no, I, mine's far better. Okay, go on then. The one I do around the club circuit. Okay. The, no, well, I, I, can, I cannot claim that. Let's all enjoy this. Okay. Uh, hi, you lot. Just wanted to thank you for keeping me company I on my like many, to many... Shit. What? I sound like I'm literally on the toilet trying to do a shit. Yeah, yeah. That's, okay, that's fine, the one. Fine. That's what I think of. That's that's my phrase. I'm not even going to look at you. Okay. Do this. Okay. Many many motorway journeys. It's it's almost a certainty that I'll be listening to this on my way home to work somewhere. Just wondered if you had read the IMDb 250 all the way to the bottom. If not, then I cannot wait to hear Merrick's opinions on numbers 228 and 238 when he gets there. And and I'm sure you'll agree that they should be much much higher and seem criminally underrated. Anyway, I don't really have a point to make. Films are all right, for the most part, even if there are too many of them. Adam Sandler seems like a bit of a prick, but I like Happy Gilmore, so I'm conflicted. Keep watching the films, Dougie Andrews from Hockliffe. I mean, the face you're putting as well, yeah. while you're reading that, this is Marek now, not David doing the voice, was quite disturbing. <coughs> um, I just looked at the IMDb, he's referring to me being annoyed... That now currently, as of uh, some time in August, two hundred twenty-eight is Pirates of the Caribbean: The Curse of the Black Pearl, which is a very good film. And number two hundred thirty-eight is X Men: Days of Future Past, which is not. <laughs> a lot of these new films don't last as long in the top two hundred and fifty. No. I mean, the fact that that's still there, two hundred twenty-eight, it's made in two thousand and three. Maybe it will stay there. Well, it's it, it's a bit damning of. Um modern films that Shawshank and The Godfather are still at the top isn't it but I, I think Shawshank is one of the greatest of films it's I beautiful I really think it's brilliant yeah, maybe yeah. it is the best film I know, I, I, I'm a film lover and I can say I think it's one of the greatest ever films it's in my top ten Stephen King for, uh, story yeah. of course um, uh, yeah well, um, well that's about it for letters isn't it that is about it for the letters we've run out of letters now we've run out of letters so if you'd like to write to us then please do email us dearfilmfandango at gmail.com um, and you can suggest an, an accent if you if you wish um, you can also talk to one another if you'd like facebook.com forward slash filmfandango or you can tweet us at filmfandango at Mr David Reed and at Marriott Larwood Marriott Larwood I was just checking there's no nothing extra in there it's not it's at Marriott Larwood yeah it's just that yeah. Um, also we do all of this for free so if you'd like to donate towards our running costs go to filmfandango.co.uk and follow the links from there and everyone who has well done you're going to heaven 
like those people, some of the people I killed earlier on the side of this podcast. Um, anyway, what are they going to say? Uh, we've been playing the IMDb game for regular listeners, which is where you go through, go to IMDb, scroll to the bottom of the page, and there's a top 250, and you go through that to your top 250 until you find a film that you have not seen, and subsequently that becomes your IMDb score. score. Somebody on Facebook scored one, as they had not seen The Shawshank Redemption. I mean, there's no excuse. I mean, I don't know how. Uh, anyway, yeah. um, I've been working. Uh, my score is about thirty. I've still I've watched the beginning of City Lights. I need to watch a bit more of right. that. But I'm working on. You need to watch the rest through. of it. Yeah, that's how it works. And you my score's going to go. I'm still. I'm picking off numbers in the hundreds, and my score's sure. going to jump. I, I, my Interstellar is still my sticking point, and I, I've got to find a. I've got to clear a three-hour gap in my schedule to go sit through that. Well, I saw the uh, a film that I hadn't really heard of, an Oscar-winning film from 1958. Uh, it won um, Best Picture, Best Actor in Leading Role, Best Director, Best Actress in Supporting Role, and also, importantly, Best Sound Recording and Best Film Editing. <laughs> Can you guess called? what it is? Witness for the Prosecution. Have okay, you ever heard I've of never heard of this. Um, but this is the beauty of the IMDb game, I guess. This is the first. I've never really seen... Uh, I haven't seen or can't remember seeing Charles Lawton in a film famous actor yeah. from the 40s and 50s uh, he's not the one in the carry on movies is he no who am I yeah, he was directed by Billy Wilder who pretty much directed every single brilliant film that yeah. yeah like Double Indemnity I'm thinking um, of Charles Hawtrey no uh, Charles Lawton uh, amazing actor this is a he is sensational in this. I hadn't seen him before, and he looks a bit like a sort of different Matt Luke, almost like a Matt Lucas character at times. Really, a, a sensate, You can't take your eyes off him. What's the story of this? What okay, so it? what happens is um, this Leonard Vole, uh, this bloke is a Leonard Vole. That's his name. For your, wow, for your sounds sort like of good-looking, a... quite sort of nice man. He's arrested for killing this um, spinster. That he meets, uh, that he and the the spinster's maid says she saw him at the house and she came back and he was dead. Leonard Vole is married to this German lady played by Marlene Dietrich. Okay. Uh, and he claims, uh, 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 and she is found out that she, this elderly lady, has been befriended by Leonard Vole and she has changed her will to leave him eighty thousand pounds. Doesn't look long. good. So he uh, and then he employs. Uh, Charles Lawton, who is playing uh, Sir Wilfred, uh, who is this um, uh, barrister, has just had a heart attack and he's just come out of hospital. So it starts off with him coming out of hospital and him being really sort of sexist and horrible to the nurse. And that's the ongoing sort of side comedy bit. When right. he, she's trying to get him to take his tablets and not smoke cigars. And he's almost telling her to get lost. And she's a horrible woman and, and like, slamming the door in her face and trying to have a cigar. But he does it in a way that he's still charming and funny. This act, well, he's uh, he's from Scarborough, Charles Lord. You have to watch him. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. I mean, I can't believe I've not heard of him before. And uh, he won the best actor for this, and I think rightly so. I think this film was so influential. I mean, Marlene Dietrich was, you know, she's in her forties now. She plays a cold, and her face is. Um, although she's not likable in this, you can't help but watch. She's interesting to watch. Mm. 
this is a courtroom drama, pretty much. Okay. That we've seen uh, uh, saturated our screens in. You know, I used to watch LA Law in the 1980s, where they basically take yeah. every single courtroom film and then a version of that. Well, we we talked about Twelve Angry Men recently as well, yeah, didn't we? One Which of the, is one of the so influential. Yeah, isn't it? and this is as well. I mean, the fact is, this story has been done before, so it seems really familiar. It doesn't seem that uh, exciting. Obviously, at the time, it was a, a huge, hugely influential film. And, and Lawton, who actually was a director as well, he directed Night of the Hunter, right. which is an amazing um, film where Robert Mitchum plays this sort of murderous uh, vicar who's after these two kids, which I highly recommend you watch. Okay. Um, I, I really enjoyed this. I watched it with my girlfriend. She loved it as well. It's sort of quite funny in places. It really feels like you're watching a film... It, it's oh, Billy it? Wilder directing yeah, it. Yeah, right. it's in 1957, but it feels like an era before that even, because everyone's wandering around in bowler hats and speaking in RP accents. <laughs> okay. It feels quite a dated 1957. It's so weird now Now we look at it, isn't it? That they're that just like, ago, if yeah. you wanted to be on... Uh, if you if you wanted to be worthy of recording, then you had to speak in RP. Yeah. Uh, it's wonderful. Um, Agatha Christie wrote the original, is that right? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just looking through IMDb. It seems she wrote the stage show that this is based on it, oh okay I mean what's good funny lines are good. the nurse is called Miss Plimpsoll here's a quote here from IMDb Miss Plimpsoll says uh, she's by the window and Sir Wilfred who's played by Charles Lawton's there Miss Plimpsoll says is there too much of a draft should I roll up the window Sir Wilfred says just roll up your ma- roll up your mouth you talk too much if I had known how much you talk I'd never have come out of my coma He's just quite bilious, really cantankerous old man who's really entertained to watch. He's taking his tablets all the way through and you think he's going to have a heart attack the whole time. And that gives it the extra layer. His personality gives it the extra layer and his backstory that you're worried about him and his, uh, the nurse looking after him makes it more interesting than just a courtroom drama. Right. And rather than having this this dark sort of evil villain of a wife, she's played by Marlene Dietrich, who is a great, you know, you've got not just a normal actor, you've got big actors playing, you know, great actors playing these parts. Yeah. So it's far more interesting. And it would be shot beautifully. Um, Tyrone pa- Power played Leonard Vole. I haven't really heard of, him, heard of him before. He was quite a big actor in the 50s and 40s and 50s as that sort of good-looking... Uh, Vol, good look. He's sort of a bit like a predecessor, sort of Cary Grant-ish, yeah, that yeah. sort of thing to him. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's, uh, I'd give it like a seven or eight. I don't know if it deserves to be in. The, would it be in my top hundred? Possibly not. Okay, but I think historically, I think because of Charles Lawton's performance and his place in that the canon of cinema, that you, if you are a film fan, it might be worth watching him to see how to see like a. a Great charisma. Yeah. I was just looking him really up, and he, of course, stage. is Captain Bly in Mutiny on yeah, the Bounty, which I, isn't he? I think which I must have seen Again, a very so, bilious yeah. sort of cantankerous yeah. character that, yeah, I yeah, I should watch some more of it. Because um, you think, can you get away with doing that almost theatre-toe acting yes. in films? Certain films you can. You, you, you sort, of, sort of set Pete and You heat. sort of can if the camera gives you a bit of space you know it needs to sit back and let you do it right because if it's right in your face and cutting all the time you come across as ridiculous that's a really interesting point I think these films in the 40s and 50s a lot of wide shots a lot of the the techniques were different so you could do that bigger acting was now as soon as you go uh, it's all it's all cowboy acting now it's all cowboys where it's like look at their face look how weather beaten they are look how they're not giving anything away 
That, yeah. you know, it's all... And you go, you go from that acting, this quite big acting, to almost... Uh, I always think of American Beauty when you've got that extreme close-up on Kevin Spacey's face and he's just moving his eyelids and doing about seven or eight different yeah, emotions yeah, yeah. just through that. Or another example recently, Mr. Holmes, pretty rubbish film, but uh, Ian McKellen doing so much on a close-up mm. where she think, oh, I'm getting this story and you're just doing all your face. Whereas this would be too big for it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, watch yeah. it, yeah, watch it. Okay, interesting. Well, great, great. Uh, witness for the... Prosecution. prosecution. Witness for the prosecution. Brilliant. Number, number 77 on IMDb. And is that, sorry, is the whole thing in, in one room? Is it a stage no, no, play? No, 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 it's, it's not. not. It feels, it's, it's a few different sets. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's a, it never really felt like it was a play put into a film. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, great. Well, um, that's it for this week. Um, we will be back next week with yet more films, and we're creeping up on that 200th episode as well, which will happen in uh, the beginning of September. So uh, exciting times, exciting times. Uh, join us next week for yet more films. But in the meantime, keep watching the films. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.